1: In today's message, we go back to the book of Revelation, where Brother Buddy Abernathy is dealing with the fourth chapter. Brother Buddy shares with us some of his thoughts on the meaning of all the symbolic language contained in this chapter and reminds us that the focus of heaven is upon the throne room of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.
2: The Church of Christ we have to.
0: Revelation. The subject matter of Revelation chapter 4 is the throne of God in heaven. Now it's important to have this in mind in this chapter as well as the majority of the balance of the book that the language is figurative. In other words, If you're to read about the throne of God in heaven and you read all these details that we're going to see, the purpose is that we might understand truth about God as we think about those images and that we might understand how he is involved in the affairs of this world. Now last time we had concluded in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5 where it speaks of the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. And we believe this is teaching not that there are literally seven spirits of God We believe there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But I believe one thing we can draw from this is that the Spirit of God is multifaceted. And I believe we've looked at two or three examples, and I had at first thought I would continue with some more examples tonight, but I've decided to continue on to the next verse but you probably remember that we mentioned that the Spirit of God is responsible for giving spiritual life to God's elect when they're born again. The Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. That wasn't the new birth taking place. That was the blessing of God's Spirit as the church sets sail so to speak the spirit also calls men to preach and we could mention other things that the spirit does and so i believe the idea here when it speaks of these seven burning lamps which are before the throne which are the seven spirits of god that it's letting us know that there's different things that the Spirit does. So tonight I want to begin reading in verse 6, and we'll read through verse 8. Revelation 4:6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now as you try to picture this in your mind, though we haven't addressed everything pertaining to the throne of God, I think it would be well to go ahead and give you a description of the scene here. Now we've already noted at the end of verse 5 that there are these seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. That means in front of the throne. Now obviously the throne is where God is. He's the center of it all. So there are these seven lamps of fire before the throne. Here in verse 6, he says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Now we'll see what that is in a moment, but here we have the throne of God, and before it are seven lamps of fire, and also a sea of glass. Now notice in the latter part of verse 6, he says, And in the midst of the throne, And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now you may recall in verse 4, it refers to this. He says, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Now we'll not again try to explain what those 24 elders represent, but our purpose tonight is just for you to envision this. The throne of God, the seven lamps of fire in front of it, the sea of glass in front of it. Then there's an inner circle of these four beasts around the throne, and then there's an outer circle of 24 elders. If you'll carefully read the language, you'll see that that's the picture he's giving. Now tonight we're going to talk about those four beasts surrounding the throne inside the circle of elders that surround the throne. But before we do that, notice what he says in the beginning of verse 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Now, I believe this sea of glass represents that all in heaven is calm and peaceful in contrast to the sea here in this world. The sea in this world, in a literal sense, could not be described as a sea of glass clear as crystal. It's just the opposite. It's turbulent. Notice how frightening the sea can be here in this world. In Matthew chapter 8 and beginning with verse 23, you remember that Jesus was on the ship with his disciples. And it says in verse 23, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuke the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Now Jesus can rebuke the turbulent sea in this world. And produce a great calm. But in heaven it's always a great calm. Now not only can we think about this in a physical or literal sense. But we can think about it spiritually as well. Not only Is the sea in this world calmed by the command of Jesus? But also think about the Apostle John. He was banished to the isle at Patmos. And an island is surrounded by the sea. And no doubt he saw those waves every day. And yet it's interesting that in Revelation chapter 21 in verse 1, notice what he says as he is seeing heaven. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea, no more trouble in heaven, no more sea, no more waves. Though Jesus can calm your sea in this world, and often does, yet we know we often go through storms in life. We go go through storms that frighten us, but in heaven, it's a sea of glass, crystal clear, and that's describing something that is just solid and smooth. No trouble in heaven. Now, notice as he continues here in verse 6 And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now, when I first read this, especially when I was younger, and you may think this way as well. This sounds like a monster, doesn't it? A beast or four beast, full of eyes. That sounds scary, doesn't it? But if you read the account of this, not, not the same account, but you read a very similar description in the book of Ezekiel, and we can get some insight On what these beasts mean you know when we think of a beast we think of something like beauty and the beast we think of something scary but generally that's not the way it's uh, understood in the scripture look at uh, the book of Ezekiel chapter one and verse five and notice how similar this Scene is that Ezekiel sees hundreds of years before John's vision. Uh, verse 5 of Ezekiel 1 says, And also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four Living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. Now, if you'll read that carefully sometime and then read what we're looking at in Revelation, you'll see this is a, a very similar thing. But here in Ezekiel in the Old Testament, instead of using the word beast, he says living creatures. That doesn't sound scary, does it? Just living creatures. And I believe that's the way we're to see these beasts. They're not frightening creatures. They're living creatures. And remember, this is figurative language. And he says, they are full of eyes before and behind. Now I believe, among other things, that at least teaches that God is omniscient. Remember these four beasts around the throne. You know, we would think of north, south, east, and west. And we'll see later on in Revelation... Some language that refers to angels on the earth and it says that they are on the four corners of the earth. That's language to describe uh, being completely surrounded and whatever is being described, whatever in any direction you go, that's, that's what you're going to find. So here are these beasts around the throne full of eyes. You see, God is omniscient, that just means... He's all-knowing. Notice a couple of scriptures that make this so clear. First of all, in Psalm 147 and verse 5. Great is our Lord, and of great power, His understanding is infinite. Now, I don't know about you, but my understanding's not infinite. You know, I remember studying infinity in mathematics. That means there's no end to it. You may remember the what they would call pi in mathematics, twenty-two over seven. You can divide seven into twenty-two. And it'll it'll never solve. That is, you'll never divide it out. You'll never, you know, get to the point that there's no uh, remainder. And it'll never repeat. It goes on into infinity. And you know, there's some spiritual things that can be drawn from that because you use pi to calculate the area of a circle. And we're not going to get into that. But the point is, infinity means it never ends. And so God's understanding has no end. You're never going to hear God say, well, I don't understand that. Notice also in Colossians chapter 2, and even though this is specifically, I believe, referring to Jesus, yet we know that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So you could say the same thing about God as you could Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse uh, 3, referring to Jesus, it says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God knows a lot, doesn't he? And these Beast full of eyes before and behind can, perhaps among other things, I don't claim that my interpretation is the exact only interpretation to have, but as I've said before, in figurative language like this, it's okay for ministers to disagree as long as we don't contradict fundamental Bible doctrine. If I draw some crazy notion from revelation that contradicts some fundamental truth about salvation, that's a problem. But if we're we're drawing from it something that emphasizes solid truth, then it's no big problem to have different interpretations or applications. What, we know that what I've said is true, that God's understanding is infinite, and we know that in Him is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And it would seem reasonable that these four living creatures encircling the throne full of eyes before and behind may well illustrate that concept. Now let's look at these four individual beasts. Remember, they're living creatures, not monsters. Verse 7, And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast was like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Now. I want you to go ahead and keep in mind what it says in verse 8. The four beasts had each of them six wings about him. Ordinarily, when you read about a creature with wings in Revelation, that, among other things, indicates God's involvement with things in this world. The idea is a creature from heaven, flying to this earth. This is not a literal creature that we see. It's an idea. It's a concept. In other words, the the things of God, as God is on the throne, He's not absent and uninvolved with the affairs of this life. That's just a general concept to keep in mind as we try to understand what these beasts are all about we can see how they're also representative of God's involvement with the affairs of this life. The first beast was like a lion. Now with each of these beasts, I'm going to use a word that starts with the letter P, where it'll be easier for you to understand these concepts. There may be other, certainly there is other synonyms that could be used. But this lion is descriptive of God's position. You know, a lion is, it makes you think about a king. And even the scriptures bear that out. Notice in First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15 First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15 referring to the Lord it says which in his times he shall show who is blessed who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords and to make a real direct connection with the truth or with the principle that a lion coincides with a king All you have to do is go to the next chapter in Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 5, and notice what one of these elders said. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. That's Jesus Christ. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's prevailed. See, God is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's talking about his position. Now this second beast was like a calf. You know, oftentimes when we read the English words in the Bible... We think of something different. For example, I've already mentioned how that when I think of a beast, I think of beauty in the beast. You know, the word conversation is used in the New Testament. When we, we think of conversation as when we're talking with each other. We're having a conversation. In the New Testament, it's referring to the way you live your life, your manner of life. You know, when I read the word calf here, I think of something humble and shy. But again, notice in the book of Ezekiel, you know, the best way to interpret scripture is to look at other scripture that addresses the same subject. And again, this is very similar in Ezekiel uh, chapter 1. And notice in verse 10, as for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. See, he refers to the basically the same creatures, but instead of the word calf, he uses ox. Now that gives you a different image, doesn't it? An ox is a strong creature. An ox is sometimes used to plow a field. And you'll see in the scripture that uh, an ox is representative of strength in a general way. For example, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. Now that's true literally. But did you know that the ox is often representative of the ministry? For example, look at Psalm 144. Psalm 144 and verse 14. Now here the psalmist is praying for the future of the Lord's people, and we could apply this to the future of the church. And notice the language, one of the things that he's praying for in verse 14, he says that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. It's a full-time job for a preacher that there be no breaking in, no going out, and no complaining in our streets. But the point we're after is that he's praying that our oxen may be strong to labor. So you see, God's not only in a position of authority, but he also has power. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And you're familiar with this, I'm sure. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus sends forth apostles to teach and baptize on the basis that he has all power in heaven and in earth. You know, a position of authority is no good if you have no power, is it? You know, that's like a parent that is not willing to discipline their child, but they always want to announce that they're in charge. Well, you can announce that you're the authority, but if there's no strength behind it, that's of no value. So this second beast had the face like a calf or an ox.
1: Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc